0: Thank you for tuning in to the Reinvention Roadmap. Marketing is one of those make or break skills that can take a creator to the pinnacle or destroy their creative career. Our guest today is going to talk about marketing and give us tips and tricks on how to market ourselves better. And he also runs a successful newsletter and a Twitter profile by the name of Growth Currency which has been picking up really fast in the last few months. On his Twitter, he shares tips and tricks and tools to creators so that they can go from learning to earning online. And while he has been focused on growing his audience for the last eight or nine months, he's still very much an explorer and continually shares what he's learning along the way. Please welcome my good friend, Dylan, from Growth Currency.
1: Hey, Sushil, how are you?
0: good how are you how's it going
1: i'm doing i'm doing great i'm doing great nice bright and early here on the west coast of canada so i'm happy to uh-huh. spend my morning here with you
0: i know it's a pleasure to have you on the show and i'm glad that it's happening in one of the earlier episodes of the reinvention roadmap so uh, it's really early there and and you mentioned that you have woken up earlier so that your kids won't be guest starring at the show
1: yeah that's right <laughs> that's, that's cool. right yeah yeah, I've got two kids and hopefully they they are still in deep slumber for the next hour.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So tell me what prompted you to start a newsletter like Growth Currency.
1: Yeah, there's a few things. So I've always enjoyed writing and I found myself dabbling with Twitter in 2020, you know, with lockdown and stuff like that, trying to get away from the doom scrolling and trying to create more. So I started writing a little bit and I needed an excuse to just kind of like get my thoughts and ideas out there. And so I had seen a lot of people using this thing called Substack. I looked into what it was and it seemed like a really kind of easy way to start writing, um, getting your, getting your writing online. And at the same time, starting a newsletter and collecting email addresses to potentially grow an email list and, uh, you know, eventually a business. So I didn't really think that far ahead. I was just like, I'm going to send out emails. And if people want to subscribe, then great. But it was really just a, a thing I did on the on a whim, and with the with kind of not really any major goals. My only goal was to publish a hundred a uh, hundred weeks straight of a newsletter. And so I, I thought if I did a hundred weeks, a hundred newsletters in a row, you know, I was bound to get some opportunity out of it. Something was bound to happen. I'm I'm going to either create a hundred pretty good newsletters, at least they get better as they go, or I'm just going to quit because you know nobody really produces a hundred shitty versions of something. So that was kind of my, (laughs) that was kind of uh, I and I, I wish I could take credit for that line, but I heard that I'm like, you know, they're right. Like you, you'll, you'll produce more and more. And the more you produce, the better you get, or you just give up and quit. So that was kind of my mindset going into it.
0: That's awesome. And I must say that something did happen after seeing how well growth currency is doing and how much good content you're putting out there. It actually inspired me to start a newsletter of my own. And I'm doing it with an art focus and which is catering to my interests. So I wanted to ask you, how did you come about uh, that? You're going to do a newsletter about marketing or teach marketing to creators because it's a very niche field and you have a bunch of content out there, but there's a lot of noise. And and I think the uh, key aspect is to filter out noise and produce something really good that the creators could enjoy. So how did you come about picking marketing as your niche?
1: It's a little bit of a few things. One was that I'm, I'm a professional marketer, even though I do not like those terms, <laughs> professional and marketer side by side. Marketers get a bad rap and that's fair. Everybody hates marketers is a popular slogan. Uh, marketers ruin everything is another one. So what I'm trying to do is not do the product, you know, hardcore direct in your face marketing. What I'm trying to teach What I'm trying to teach creators is how to promote themselves with marketing. And I came to that by starting this newsletter and not really knowing that that's what I wanted to do. But as I started just finding my, getting my feel as to what I wanted to write about and the people I wanted to write for, also the people who I found were responding to my newsletters and engaging with them, it was more these... You know these creators or these early stage creators people who had just started a, su- a substack themselves or a youtube channel or a twitter account etc and they're trying to grow this thing and the tips that i was sharing was were, were helping them and some of the biggest i guess the biggest challenges they found were you know promoting yourself and and how to market yourself and how to create a proper content strategy so in in figuring this out just sort of as i've gone that was where i really leaned into the i'm going to help teach you know, basic marketing to creators. And I, the word teach is kind of weird too, because I'm really just sharing sort of things that I've learned, but what's worked for me. And that's where I've really tried to hone my focus, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, it makes a lot of sense, because I would say my biggest challenge is marketing as a creator. Initially, I would think that content creation would be the difficult part, but I've been painting regularly and I want to sell some of these because they're piling up and I don't know what to do with them. And, and yeah. my biggest challenge is how do I get this out there? Because as you mentioned, marketing, when I think about it, I think about this as this scary thing or this sleazy thing about trying to dupe someone. Or I have a very right. negative kind of idea. And I think seeing marketing through your eyes has been quite beneficial. So if you had to tell an early stage creator how to jumpstart marketing or let's say like you have like a five point plan or something where you can say that the creator has a bunch of products or Mm -hmm. like a bunch of content and they're stuck with marketing so how would you advise them to go about that
1: that's a loaded question i think you know if you have the content if you already have content created over half the battle is done for you that's that's a massive that's a massive step so let's say you have a bunch of content and whether it's you know audio written video whatever format it is you've already got the gun loaded so to speak you just need to start shooting i have a bit of a a, an analogy that is not quite as violent as guns but uh is more like a (laughs) it's more like a creator is the guy standing on the diving board and um of a pool a swimming pool and your audience is standing kind of around the pool, and you just need to jump off the diving board and make a big splash. And so, what you're, what you got to do is figure out your your distribution channel. So, where are you going to tell people about your your content? You obviously can leverage the social platforms, which is kind of the easiest, lowest barrier of entry. It's where all the people are. You got to go where the people are, and. Um, it's free. So, I mean, there's not, there's not a lot to stop you from leveraging those platforms. Some people say start a blog and just like really try to work the SEO and that can work, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm more of the mindset of, um, another analogy I like to use is, you know, musicians, They don't start their own music festivals to get heard, they go to music festivals, right? So why would somebody who has no audience start a blog and expect people to come read it? It's really hard. You can do it. You have to be really good with SEO. You have to have a really defined keyword strategy and, you know, a target audience and then content that will actually pull people in and keep them there. Instead, what I would recommend is having um, for a new creator with content, Go out to these platforms where the people are. Go to your own, go to music festivals. Don't start your own, and start promoting yourself there. So the way you can do that, and where you can get over that weirdness of promoting yourself, is by sharing the content that you've created that is going to help people. People are on the internet to either be entertained or to learn something. Those are really the main two reasons why people are on the Internet. So if you're entertaining, then that's great. You can promote your entertainment content. Or if you're teaching something or showing them a new idea or whatever it might be, um, promote that and showcase it in a helpful, hey, you! I, this is what I learned. It helped me. This is why you should learn it as well. So go to where the, the people are would be my, my number one strategy. And then as quickly as you can, Get those people onto your own list or your own platform. Typically that's email. You know, you want to take them from the rented land of social media because you don't own it. Social media can shut down, they can change the algorithms, they can um, shut your account down. You want to take as quickly as you can those people away from social media by doing so uh, with an email list where you can own own your audience more to a degree. It's a bit of a weird
0: term, owning your audience, but I think you get, you get the point. I get that. And I think an important aspect of these uh, going to where people are platforms is that they have those very sneaky terms and conditions such that they try to screw over content creators who are doing well. And if they have a clause where they can remix your content and redistribute it, and they do it in a royalty-free way. So you never know that you know if you get really good, then I think the idea is to funnel them to your own platform as soon yeah. as possible. So that makes sense. Now, you mentioned that you should go to the audience and find out find out your audience and grow it as soon as possible before bringing them to your platform. How do you strike a balance between authenticity? Because I, I see that your newsletter is very authentic. And sometimes what happens is when you get caught up in the mindset of, oh, I have to get X number of clicks, and I have to get uh, X number of people to subscribe, yeah. then you might lose your own voice trying to pander to someone else. So yeah, I was wondering if you had any inputs on, on that situation.
1: Yeah, for me, it comes down to, do you want to grow intentionally or quickly? When I think about growth, I think of more with intention and getting quality followers versus a ton of followers quickly. A lot of people will, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. That's kind of like my, my main platform where I gravitate. And so you'll see all these Twitter growth hacks and all these threads teaching you about how to Grow your your twitter following and that thread is a growth hack on growth hacks like it's it's kind of this really odd um, strategy but people use it and i don't i see that as i see people getting 20 30 50,000 followers in a year i've been doing this for a year and i've met you know 3100 followers like it's not it's not like i am i'm growing at you know warp speed but what i'm focusing more on is building more of a relationship more authentic connections with people um like yourself um and and really trying to grow get closer to the thousand true fans theory or strategy than you know say a hundred thousand uh followers who just don't really don't really care much about what i'm talking about so it matters more to me about the uh, level of connection and quality of audience than the size of the audience so i don't think that really answers your question but i guess when it comes down to it what i try to do is engage with people you know if they reply to my tweets i try to always reply back if they you know give me a shout out in a tweet i always try to reply back as well i think it's important to spend a, a chunk of time, it doesn't have to be a large chunk of time, but a decent chunk of time on Twitter, say 10, even 15 minutes a day, just engaging with people and replying to their tweets. And and that's a really good way to build up authenticity. The other thing I would, and the reason why I started this whole answer with the, the growth hacks is because I think a lot of people just try to be um, they lose themselves, their authenticness when they try to do those growth hacks. So yes, I've done Twitter threads, hopefully in an attempt to grow my audience, but I've also tried not to sacrifice my integrity in doing so where I'm actually going to use helpful helpful information that's that's not just going to be kind of growth hacky for, for my audience. So that, does that answer your question a bit?
0: It does. And I think you made a valid point about making connections because initially when i was just starting out on on twitter i've been on twitter for 10 years or 12 years but i mean it, this has been the year where i actually started using it and mm-hmm. when i saw that you had close to three thousand followers i was like oh why would this person respond to me or you know that happened it it's kind of like a common blocker for me is if someone has a bunch of followers and i shouldn't message them but right. when i messaged you i felt like uh, it was like we already knew each other and you were very open to building a connection. And I think somewhere authenticity comes from trying to make a genuine connection or you're not trying to be someone you're not. And I think that was, that answers my question where you're not just like, your relation doesn't end when that follow button has been clicked or once they have given you the required engagement. And yeah. I think that's a great way to build your audience.
1: Yeah. That's where it should start really that's where the, mm-hmm. the relationship should start with that follow, that follow click. And I think as a as somebody who I try to not have the, you know, the follower to following ratio of, you know, one to a hundred kind of thing, I'm, I'm trying to have that more of an equilibrium ratio, because I see these accounts with, you know, 8,000 followers and, you know, following eight people. And it's kind of like, you know, you look like a bit of a, You might not be trying to, it might be you curating your feed, but you kind of look like an egotistical a-hole to me a little bit when you're, you're not, you know, reciprocating that, that following, following people back. So I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, I guess, authenticity being like, if somebody's going to follow me and, and have any kind of interest at all. They're not some kind of spam bot. I'm going to follow them back. And then um, like you did connect, connect in the DMs as well. I think that's, that's important, not in a creepy way, but in a hey, just saying, you know, showing gratitude and saying, thanks for, thanks for following along. And Mm -hmm. I've done that before. And I also will sometimes drop a link to um, my newsletter, because if people are following me, I say, I generally tweet about this content. And if you do find it helpful, you might find my newsletter helpful as well. So I'm doing it not a sales way, but more as a, As a helpful value add, I suppose to follow me.
0: That's awesome. What what inspired the name Growth Currency, uh, in particular?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, So, I just kind of I had a different name for the newsletter for the first uh, eight or nine editions, and one morning I was I was just playing with my daughter and. I don't know how it really came to me, but I obviously wasn't focusing enough on the playing. But uh, but all of a sudden I was like, something about uh, knowledge and growing and learning and, and money. It, it just kind of was, these things were going around in my head. And I was kind of like, well, you know, knowledge is kind of like growth currency. It's like the currency of growth is the more you learn, the more you can grow. And so I was like, oh, growth currency, that's kind of... That kind of sounds cool. I I haven't really heard that term before, so I I thought about it a little bit more. I'm like, okay, I think I can work with that. And I was looking for a new name for the newsletter anyway. It was I think it was called Knowledge Up, and I was just like, it's just what I couldn't think of anything better at the time. So I was just like Knowledge Up. Yeah, um, I started the newsletter <laughs> with that name, and I I never loved it. I always hated it, but I just needed something, right? I didn't want a name to stop me from publishing a newsletter. So that was the name for the first eight or nine editions, and then. Knowledge up came up, or
0: knowledge up. Now, now I'm calling it the old name. Uh, growth <laughs> currency
1: popped in my head, and I ran with it.
0: I know that feeling because when I was starting the art conduit, I, f- I felt that picking a name deterred me from putting content out there because I was yeah. like, if I have a dumb Instagram handle or something, nobody's going <laughs> to watch it. it. It's it's silly how you make these stories in your head, and you know, you you stop yourself from getting your content out there like oh the handle has to be like a certain way they have to be you make these contracts and then don't get anything done so i think being more loose with the process and trying to have fun is an important lesson
1: totally agree yeah it's a it's a Uh, roadblock a mind block that people just need to get over you can always change your handle right
0: you can sure yeah (laughs) you can't handle the truth (laughs) Nice. So you mentioned uh, you're a dad and you also Mm -hmm. are working full-time. How do you balance having a full-time job, being a dad, and uh, you are running a successful newsletter? And I don't know, you tweet pretty often. I I can't get like five tweets out there. So how do you balance all of this? (laughs) Uh, I do what I'm doing right now uh, quite a bit,
1: which is get up my alarm was at 4:20 this morning um, even though our our schedule meeting wasn't until 5:15, i like to get up and kind of have a bit of coffee in my you know coursing through my veins before i get the day started so i'm i'm often up by five o'clock at the latest and then i can get some stuff done usually in about the two hours from five till seven until my family gets up so that's kind of my sacred those are my sacred hours that's the time where i can work on the newsletter craft my, my tweets, schedule tweets, and work on whatever else I might be working on. So that's if I didn't get up early, I don't know where I would honestly find the time I could work on in the evening, but I find by the end of the day, I'm just kind of wiped. It's really hard to push myself to sit down and start working on things. So by the time the kids are in bed and everything like that, and I do like to get up early anyway, so I don't like staying up till midnight working on stuff. It just... I work better the other way. So my balance is mostly, um, you know, thanks to an early morning routine and just going at it. That's really what it comes down to.
0: So besides, besides waking up early, do you have any other rituals or like daily habits which you have to stick to, to be hmm. productive and functional?
1: I wish I did, <laughs> I wish I did. I. If you have any, if any, any tips for me, that'd be great. I I'm bad with habits. Like I I've been good with in that area in the past with discipline and writing ha- and daily habits. And uh, to be honest, the last few months, I should have probably the last six months, I really you know slipped away from that. I was journaling daily for almost a year and doing things like that, which were really helpful. I was writing. I was part of the Ship Thirty for Thirty cohort mm-hmm. back in May, and I was I published a. Th- 250 word essay they're called atomic essays in the ship 30 program i was doing that for 30 days and that was like just the amount of content that i created just in those 30 days has exceeded you know the 60 days after not to mention the year prior so like it was it was really powerful and i wish i'd kept that up but when i got myself out of that cohort community i found myself lacking some of those daily habits so yeah to answer your question i think my, I, I just kind of go about my, my schedule, I suppose, what I need to get done, I do, and then I probably don't prioritize as good as well as I should, and I probably don't, you know, journal as often as I could or write even as much as I could, but I just, right now, I'm kind of trying to keep my head above water between getting the newsletter out, that's my number one priority, connecting with people, and, you know, of course, being a, a parent, a father, and then working my, my day job as well. So, no real great advice there. <laughs> Sorry.
0: It's Don't good. do what I do. <laughs> I, I'm asking everyone. The thing is that I have one thing which I have integrated into my daily schedule is that I try to, I do meditate every day. Nice, day. It's been immensely helpful. But you're right. Like after Ship 30 ended, I also haven't kept up with the daily writing at the same time habit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think bringing that back would be a really helpful thing even if you're not publishing every day then maybe writing for yourself would be a really handy habit yeah and uh, julia cameron does something of that through her book the artist's way she recommends that you write three pages first thing after you wake up and i tried that for a bit but then i it fell off the wagon so yeah i i'm still on the lookout for some healthy habits to add to my schedule
1: Oh, nice. But. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the, uh, Tim Ferriss morning pages strategy, which is like, you know, right, right. Get all the gunk out of your head. First thing in the morning, uh-huh. Write Two pages of whatever. And, and then once you get, once you clear the, clear the faucet of all the junk, then the good stuff starts to flow is the, For sure. is the theory. Yeah.
0: Yep. So talking about creators and, and getting your stuff out there, do you think that Creative entrepreneurship and solo entrepreneurship is on the rise, and there's a, a clear uptrend in in that field.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. So, what I've seen over the last year or two is I kind of alluded to it earlier about Substack, and you know. Kind of these barrier to entries are just kind of falling by the wayside you know technology's kind of democratized what the layman can do like what the average joe like myself is able to do start an email list start a newsletter without having to know any code without having to connect any pieces of the puzzle together i just need to sign up for an account and boom i've got kind of a free domain and and a free account so so yes, I, I think content entrepreneurship is on the rise thanks to these lower barriers to entry and these people seeing what other you know content creators are doing and thinking, hey, I can do that. I think it's it's a really cool time to be experimenting and doing these things. I mean, part of the problem is is everybody is, seems to be doing it, so it's a little bit trickier to stand out and do that, but I think the access that we now have to think courses, there's courses for everything these days so you you really can learn just about anything for a low cost online and that's really helped also lower these barriers to entry to how to do things like video edit that we were talking about earlier or start mm-hmm. a podcast or you know start a business whatever that might be and so yeah i think i think it's definitely on the rise i think more and more people are going to be able to to earn a living doing it but it's it you know as the piece of the pie grows bigger you just need to be able to stay consistent and focus your energy properly to actually stand out from the crowd.
0: Yeah. And and that was going to be my next question Mm -hmm. is that how would you stand out in a saturated market or a market that is getting saturated?
1: Yeah. And I, I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing that you can do that you have control over is being consistent. So, what I'll, I'll I've, I've done this myself, you know, you start something, you do it a couple times and you give up because you're not seeing the traction that you were hoping to get. So that's why I knew that about myself, which is why I dedicated mm-hmm. or promised myself I would publish 100 newsletters in a row. So I think consistency is huge. If you look at, you know, some of the biggest YouTubers, for example, like um, Marquez Brownlee, for example, MK, uh, MKBHD, I believe, mm-hmm. he, he, I think he got published his 70, sorry, his 100th video when he was like 16 or 17-ish, and he had like 72 subscribers. So, like, he had he had more videos published than he had subscribers, and now he's like one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet. Um, and, you know, he's published, I don't even know how many videos he's got. I believe he's got over a million subscribers on his YouTube channel. And so so, I think it's because he was consistent. He just kept doing mm-hmm. it, and he he saw kind of a vision for himself. So I think consistency is, is super important. Set a set a schedule. If you know that you can keep up to a weekly cadence, then set a weekly cadence. If you know you can do a daily cadence, then do a daily cadence. But don't um, don't quit after you know you ha- you're not seeing traction. Otherwise, we wouldn't have. Um, people like uh, Marcus Brownlee, you know, doing what they're doing now. If they would have given up so quickly, so that's one. The other thing is the the saying that everything is a remix. I don't know if you're you've heard that before. Um, people know. try so hard. People try so hard to be original, right? And that can kind of roadblock mm-hmm. you, and that can mind block you. So I think taking the notion that you know, or giving your letting yourself off the hook that nothing you come up with is necessarily very original. But what is original is your experience and your take. Your idea, your thoughts, uh, your feelings towards your experience towards whatever these ideas might be. So, taking your experience and combining it with these these takes or these ideas or these strategies that is that is what is unique. And I think the more you can do that, the more you're going to be able to stand out from the crowd who are just maybe remixing the same the same garbage that's been not garbage but the same takes <laughs> that have been out there um, for <laughs> forever. If you can, you know, do maybe a bit of a contrarian take on why, say, you know, morning routines are actually bullshit because, you know, I have mm-hmm. a kid and I can't do morning routine yet. I've grown my business and because I work in the evening, like you know, stuff like that. If you can take a contrarian take, sharing your experience, I think that's one one other way you can you can stand out. Um, but really, it takes takes this notion of considering that that everything's a remix, but your experience is unique, and how can you combine those things?
0: Exactly. To be honest, when I was starting this podcast, I got some points of view saying that, oh, why are you starting a podcast on being a creator or like creativity and, and art? There mm-hmm. are so many podcasts. And uh, I, I got like bogged down by that for a couple of days. And then one of my friends said that, why are you listening to this this crap? Because yeah. you wouldn't say that to someone who is having a baby. Why are you having a baby? There are billions <laughs> of babies, right? <laughs> So
1: that's hilarious. That's a that's a really good analogy, actually. Your friend's pretty smart. That's good. I gotta use yeah, that. So
0: I gotta uh, remix and, that exactly. And I, I I felt that that was like a really encouraging message to have. That yeah, go ahead and start whatever you want to start because you, as you mentioned, your take is always going to be unique. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you do, if you're consistent, then you will succeed because. As you gave Marcus Brownlee's example, even though he had a tech channel, there were so many people who branched off that idea. And there are so many tech reviewers, even in India, and they get like millions of hits and millions of views. And basically they're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but they're just remixing the wheel.
1: Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll add another spoke to it, but they're not trying to reshape it.
0: Yep. And, And on the note of consistency, when it was early days, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. that you made a commitment and you followed through and you kept doing it, and that's commendable. But in the early days, when maybe you are not getting as much traction or Mm -hmm. when you felt like you're putting stuff out there and it's not getting viewed, I don't know if that happened or happened. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. (laughs) So how did you keep going through that? Because I think that is another barrier for entry and that's another blocker for many creatives.
1: Yeah, you're. That's a problem. Everybody starts with zero, right? Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much. I mean, sure, there's some exceptions if you're if you're already an established celebrity, but you know everybody starts their newsletter with zero subscribers. Everybody starts their Twitter account with zero followers. So we all start with zero. It's a matter of the actions we take to build that. So once you get over that mind block of nobody's gonna give a shit about your stuff at the start, and you just have to do it for you. You're not doing it for other people. Um, you have to do it for you. And so once you can get over that mind block in the beginning and just know, have this vision for yourself of where you want to go and what you believe you can do. Um, Mine was, I believe that, you know, stuff that I found interesting and helpful, if it helped me, it could help other people. And so my vision was that I could share those things and curate these resources for people because they helped me, they could help other people. So I, I suppose I was just a little bit stubborn about it. And I had, I think for my first, I had a tweet about there, it was either for my first six newsletters, I had a total of seven subscribers, and it took me till like my eighth to get my 10, to get 10 subscribers. Now I've got over 30 editions, so not a ton, ton more, but I've got over 600 subscribers now. So like it, it takes a while to get things going. And again, going back to that, you know, MKBHD example, where he's, he's got 100 videos, and he has 72 (laughs) subscribers. Like I, I'm sorry, but Kudos to him for being as stubborn and as he was, and having that vision for himself. Because I think if I published a hundred newsletters and I still only had seventy two subscribers to my newsletter after a hundred year, a hundred weeks, two years of publishing, I probably would throw in the towel. Like, I, I mean, so so congrats to uh, him for that. That, but I think, I think what you have to do is just is get over that, get over the fact that nobody is going to be paying attention to you at the start, and you need to be your your own cheer section, you need to be your own cheerleader, you need to promote mm-hmm. yourself, you need to reach out to people, and that's the only way people are going to start paying attention. It would be great if you could just hit publish and all of a sudden everybody comes to you and that's kind of like the vision, like, oh, I just published this great article on Medium and now you know, hundreds of thousands of people are going to read it, but you know, they're not. And it's just, it's, it's a hard truth, but it's when you have to swallow at the beginning, nobody's going to care. And in some ways that's freeing because you don't have to worry. You don't have to be self-conscious. I'm a lot more self-conscious now about my newsletter that I put out every week uh-huh. and I overthink it way more than I did when I first started. When I first started, I'm just like, no one's going to read this. I can write whatever I want. You know, there's going to be no, no audience, no judgment, share whatever I want. I can have some typos, no big deal. But my edition that I published, you know, last night had my first paying ad. And so now I'm kind of like, I got to make sure this is decent. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, screw this up and have the advertiser just like completely regret advertising with me. and It's got to be good content. So, like, I put more pressure on myself because of that. But at the beginning, it's like, you know, just freewheel it. You can do what you want. No one's paying attention to you. Start promoting yourself. You'll get traction and uh, it will come. But at the beginning... Uh- No pressure.
0: I'm going to overstep and say, no, stop thinking like that because, the newsletter is the content is really good. So you need, I mean, you should get out (laughs) of your head with respect to that because it's, it's going pretty well. Thank you. uh, Congratulations on your first advertiser. That's uh, amazing news. And uh, can't wait to see what's next. So what is next for growth currency? Where do you go from running a successful newsletter or how are you planning to branch out? Because I think a lot of creators will want to know once they build an audience what do they do with that
1: yeah it's great the, the nice thing with building an audience is you you have options right so whether you want to create a community of so, some type of community that's supporting um, supporting your audience with the content you've already created or you know with more content you can you can do that whether you want to create a course teaching people more specifically what you've learned or how to do what you've done or you know things along those lines so that's another option i'm i'm kind of exploring a few things communities seems to be sort of where my i guess my kind of integrity and my values lie supporting people with the community that being said to do that properly takes a lot of effort and a lot of time so Mm -hmm. i don't know if i could dedicate that. i wouldn't want to start it if i didn't have a good chance, really the the chance to really feed it and nurture it. So yeah, going forward, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. But I have, I've been talking with a few people to collaborate on some ideas. So some cool things could happen and are potentially in the works. But really, there's nothing, there's nothing super solid right now. I'm, I'm just trying to still focus on my 100, 100 newsletters and, and, again, see where that takes me, create opportunities for myself and uh, and see what's out there. I think there's, you know, I created a, a newsletter, not a newsletter, a uh, guide to starting your newsletter a couple months back. And, you know, that a lot of people were, were wondering about, you know, how I started my newsletter and what I did to promote it. And so I kind of created this guide to do that. So I think there's an opportunity as well to teach people through whether it's kind of an expanded version of that or perhaps a course as well. A, co- a nice thing with a course over a community is you can kind of create it once and then send it out and let it help people without having to do too much nurturing and babysitting with it. With the community, obviously, if you want it to be to flourish, you need to be in there and engaging with people and making sure that, you know, stuff is happening. So that's the other course is kind of another direction I'm looking. I do like teaching. So yeah, that's a few things I'm thinking about.
0: That's very exciting. I I look forward to seeing what you can do with a course or like a community centered around marketing for creatives or any of your amazing tips and tricks. So (laughs) yeah, looking forward to what you have uh, coming next. And uh, what about like, do you have some sort of, Self care or something you do to unwind and just take your mind off like kids and uh, work (laughs) and newsletters. There must be something that fills your cup.
1: Yeah. So if I two two things um, kind of jump to mind. One is and kind of the main one is um, for mental my mental health and also for kind of my own form of meditation is uh, running. So Mm -hmm. I I like to go for. Uh, eight to twelve kilometer runs on my lunch breaks, and that's a really good way for me to break free from my phone, from the computer, from you know just household duties. Um, it really resets my my mood. If I'm feeling, if I'm having just kind of a blah day or morning, I can go for a run, and it just kind of, I just kind of get into this meditative state. And so what I what I found when I started doing this um, six or seven years ago was you know, after about 20 minutes of running, I all of a sudden, all these kind of like thoughts and ideas started to sort of bubble to my conscious. Things that I'd been thinking about maybe, or just thought about very briefly in passing, the ideas would kind of surface more to my conscious. And I'd kind of like start thinking them through as I'm running. And I really think it it is a form of meditation. I know there's been some studies on, you know, walking and running and how it can be meditative. So what I've, done now is I bring my phone with me, even though I just said I break away from it, but I bring my phone with me because one, my running app is on there so I can track how far I'm running, but two, I've got a a voice app called otter.ai. And I'll just, if a good idea comes to me or a thought I need to get out, I just hit record on the otter app while i'm running so i'm huffing puffing away and but i can record my voice and it transcribes it you know right in the app to uh, text and so i rarely even actually listen to it i just i get home and i'll read the idea that came out um and i i encourage anybody who's doing this if they're exercising and they're thinking and they have an idea uh make sure you you capture it in some way um because like, I'm, I've told myself in the past, like, oh, I'll just remember that idea when I get home, and I'll write it down, or I'll mm-hmm. take action on it, but never happens. Like, I always forget, or if it's a really good idea, I might remember a part of it, or I'll forget another aspect of it. And I just think it, capturing ideas is so important, because if they, if you don't take action on this idea, it's going to bounce around, and somebody else is going to grab it. So I think, I think the... I've I've kind of diverged from your your original question, but I think it's it's a it's a powerful point um, about idea ideation and capturing ideas. So, nevertheless, that is that is one of my favorite ways to kind of unwind and take my mind off things. Even though I just kind of said how it it's actually putting my mind back on things, but I really I really find it a really good way to to unwind in that meditative form, and it helps me with my creative pursuits. So it's like it's like a triple bonus. It also keeps me in somewhat decent shape. The other thing I do, just totally like not having anything to do with kind of the creator economy or anything is uh, uh, fantasy football. So it's only for about 17, 18 weeks of the year. So about a third Mm -hmm. of the year, but every September, which is kind of right now, you know, friends that I've known for since high school days, we've been in this fantasy football league. Um, And it's just, it's kind of fun. It's, it's totally totally different than anything I'm kind of doing with growth currency and it's just it's kind of like a guilty pleasure um something that that uh that I find quite enjoyable.
0: So is that is that NFL or yeah like does Canada American
1: American football oh yeah no Canada has a football league it's called the Canadian Football League and Uh um I think most of the American college teams would whoop most of the Canadian (laughs) football teams.
0: (laughs) But yeah. you got hockey so hockey is where you kind of make up lost ground and and now I think the Raptors are doing well in NBA as well so you have it's that It's true.
1: Team. It is mm-hmm. true. Canada's team there. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. I I tried to get into American football but it was way too complicated for me and uh, mm-hmm. when I lived in Seattle I used to cheer for the Seahawks and I felt yeah. like I had this this sports luck where I would cheer for a team and they would always lose. So I stopped watching sports altogether. Like oh, no. it was a bad oh, sports no. juju.
1: <laughs> you were watching the Super Bowl with the Seahawks uh, against the Patriots, were you? Were no, they, that was, through that interception that was on the I, one goal line? No. Okay, okay.
0: I was watching it wasn't your the fault. Patriots. I was watching, uh there was one, uh, there was one uh, Super Bowl where I was cheering for the Seahawks and then the Seahawks got kicked out. And then I, I jumped uh Ship to the Packers and then the Packers got kicked out. And then I think like one team after another, there was like the Atlanta Falcons and the Patriots in the final Uh. and the Falcons were winning. Okay. (laughs) And then I was supporting them. Yay, go Falcons. (laughs) And they lost in the last quarter. So I kind of ruined their chances of what I feel. So I stopped following uh, American football after that that's
1: yeah. actually that's funny I, I think um who do you think is going to win the super bowl this year because i'll put a prop bet like, that they won't and maybe i
0: can make some money <laughs> <laughs> i don't whoever, even know who you want to kind win. of i do know that oh, what's his face uh, tom brady went to tampa bay right like, yeah
1: the, well brady. he won a super bowl with him last year his first exactly there. so
0: yeah i think i don't know he is invincible so i might just kind of say he'll win again but secretly yeah, I want him to lose, so uh, maybe it won't work. I should genuinely feel that this person is going to win for that to work.
1: <laughs> with all yep. your authentic sincerity, just like hope uh-huh. for the best for Tom, and then maybe he won't.
0: <laughs> yep. So it's been, an awesome, it's been an awesome chat with you, Dylan, and I look forward to you more too. such chats in the future. So if you haven't done it already, head over to Twitter and follow Growth Currency. And you can also subscribe to Dylan's newsletter at Mm growthcurrency.substack.com. And uh, I look forward to what Growth Currency has to offer next. And uh, I'm going to be an avid subscriber going forward as well. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Sushil.